0: Sound Health option show with Richard, talk to me, guy, and Sherry Edwards is off building the Sound Health portal, which is very exciting. There's some great campaigns on the Sound Health portal right now, free. You can go and have bio diet. Um, oh, I just did one the other day that was really good. Just go to soundhealthportal.com and look at the campaigns, and they're free campaigns. Meaning you can submit your vocal print set so a couple of recordings of your voice, and get a report back. It's very cool. I like being able to just go online and do that. So today we're having the returning guest, Jill Matson, which is always, <laughs> always fun, guaranteed to be fun, and informative, and slightly head-spinning all at the same time. And I will say, as I say now every week, that... This is one of those shows where you're going to want to tell others and or listen to it again afterwards, because there's going to be such information that it's like, what? Wow. How cool is that? And to do that, the easiest thing to do is either go to about 15 minutes after the show, go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and click on Sound Health Options, and there's a replay link there. Or you can go to iTunes or Pocket Casts or Dog Catcher or Google Podcasts or any number of those are all apps that you're going to have on your phone and some of those are also on your computer where you can listen to uh, not only this show but any other, other number of shows that you'd like to listen to. And you go to any of those and search for Sherry Edwards. And I think we're rounding a little over 700 shows now. And so there's a lot of great stuff there, and you can go there about a half an hour. It takes a little longer for them to render it out, and go there and find any of these shows, and Jill's shows are always a blast, because it's always so – it makes so much sense, and yet it's mind-blowing all at the same time, which I really like. And with that, I will introduce Jill. Why do we instinctively try to understand the nature and the origin of our universe? Did you know that just about every chemical element, building block in our bodies, was forged in the stars? There's something deep within our nature is revealed here. Our souls yearned for the fullest reunion with the higher energy from the stars. Jill Matson is a tireless researcher who combines her deep spirituality with her immense knowledge of sound energy and ancient societies, together with cutting-edge modern science, to produce unique techniques. In information that can be used by almost anyone, often to their profound benefit and health. Jill shows us how the earliest peoples opened stargates to contact higher beings and to tap into their celestial energies. In information that greatly predates the past Ice Age, Matson has assembled an amazing mosaic of how earliest humans contacted divine entities associated with special, powerful stars in the zodiac. Just like certain prehistoric tribes, many of us today feel a natural link to particular stars in the heavens. Want to know if your forefathers came from Sirius or Pleiades, perhaps Orion? Welcome back, Jill Matson. Oh,
1: uh, Thank you, Richard. You're just so um, delightful to speak with, and I thank you so much thank for you. being with us. I feel today. the same
0: way about you. <laughs> Always a delight. So I really almost think the subtitle of the show is Taking Us Back to the Future, because as I review the material, it really is, except for the funny car, I mean, it really is taking us back to the future. There's so much, we were talking a little bit backstage, how, well, when I introduced, uh, when I interviewed Ibrahim Karim, who's an Egyptian and a biogeometry trainer, or actually invented biogeometry. That one of the things that I learned from him, and we were talking about that, but ancient sites, power spots or whatever you want to call them, well, you're going to tell us a lot more. When he was doing architectural or er, digs, he would find that the power spot was built on top of the power spot that was built on the top of the power spot. So down through the centuries, the power spots are all recognized by different peoples but they're all the same. They're a place in the earth that is a thing. And since that's so not very articulate, I'll ask you to explain that a bit and then we'll go out further into the realms. What is that? Sure.
1: Okay. Um, Two questions. One is I want to answer this one and then I want to talk about back to the future, but let's answer this question first. Um. And when you get really back into the ancient information, there's stuff from Mongolia, from Arabs, there's from Egyptians, Samaria, China, South America, North America. When you really get into their, um, their histories, like, for example, like as soon as they begin writing, they talk about their ancient history. And they talk about um, earlier races that are more ethereal, and they aren't Homo sapiens. Um, and they talk about um, they don't they don't get their information from the senses. They wouldn't understand a, a nice latte or enjoying the sun in the afternoon. They don't have the physical senses, but they're um, they have ethereal. You know, they're clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient. And so, like, even their energy sources, it's going to be chi, it's going to be from seeds, it's going to be from life force, it's going to be from things that they can see in their dimension, which would be, um, you know, from the auras and so forth, or they can see souls, for example, the energy of a soul. So, when they're looking to place a sacred temple, um, they're looking kind of like to coat the earth with like a network. And by raising the energy on this network, the whole thing gets raised. In earlier times, and this is science, the magnetic energy, I mean way earlier, the magnetic energy of the earth would have been stronger. And the air would have been a little bit um, thicker, foggier in these early pre-human races. And um, they would... um, for example, travel on ley lines. I think that's that's a magnetic current coming from the Earth. NASA recognizes them now. They're 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 a real thing, and that would probably be where the um, stories about witches came from. People riding the ley lines. So um, these they were very well aware of um, energy sources within Earth. Now we do that today with coal and oil, oil, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're using, like, inert, and they they use, like, different sources of um, energy. And with this kind of whole way of life, not understanding our way of life, of course, they would pick all the great intersections on the earth of as many um, intersections of these magnetic ley lines, whatever you want to call them, um, as possible. And that's where the temples are located. And you're right, they would build on top of each other and they did special techniques they would do things like um, they all have wells or even like in a desert they're going to be built above a fissure in the mantle of the earth where water would lay and so they're all going to have water deep underneath most of your churches in europe they have what they call a black virgin and it's a well in the basement so they're connecting from the deep bedrock water streams um, with the temples or the height of the pyramid to the sky. And, um, and then, of course, the, the selection of stones is, is for its energy. So they're able to see that, like, granite's a really good um, conductor. So they pick the stones not for appearance but for um, energy. And then they sing and they um, regularly and they pray and they meditate. It's like these uh, sacred sites are like portholes where you can download your heavenly groceries or higher dimensional energies, and um, and and then they would position them carefully over the earth, so that it's like the earth was in a netting. And when they raise all the energy along the netting lines, the whole earth gets blessed. And then they would build temples on top of temples, and. Um, there is a custom with the Egyptian one where when they built a new temple, again, on the same spot, because that's the location is most important, they would leave like um, an obelisk or some very tall um, stone structure from the old one, and like a phallus, and then they would build on top so it would be like sacred union. And they were literally transferring through the stone the energy of the old temple into the new one. And so yeah, um, they I guess I'm agreeing with you. And back to the future, again in these stories, they talk about us involving in the matter, meaning, you know, we start out ethereal, group soul, you know, maybe it's a good analogy is like we have um um umpteen million radio stations that we tune in all the time. And as we involve into matter, we get less and less radio stations. Until now, we just have one, us. And here we are thinking we're individual. We're not. We're all connected. But we can't see it. We can't see those connections with our senses, so we tend to forget. But um, as we involved in the matter, we get to, you know, experience different things. Um, These ancient... um, People wouldn't experience, they wouldn't experience how much joy you can get from a hug or, um, you know, touching a baby's skin. And so there's a lot of things that we take, for example, that um, they were desirous of. It just maybe something new or mastering matter or um, experiencing negativity so you can overcome it and evolve. Anyway, as they went down in and they use analogy here is that they turned off all these radio stations that so were less connected. Um, the methods they describe is like uh, string theory, like um, the smallest unit of everything is infinitesimal strings. And so they would knot them. And then the vibration wouldn't get past, like the clamp or the knot. And then they would um, document those shapes and carve them in stone so that it was like a breadcrumb, like with Hansel and Gretel, where we knew what the combination was to unknot. There it's carved in stone, and we can open it up when we know what to do and start being more connected, more evolved, um, for, full of more light, etc. So that's the basic idea.
0: And this is slightly sideways, but it, but it comes to mind. It's quite popular now for people to talk about doing earthing. And I chuckle, when I think about it in the context of what you're talking about, because the ancients were always barefoot. I mean, for the most part, I don't know when we started wearing shoes, Mm -hmm. but it was a long time we were walking barefoot. And I think it's funny when people talk about earthing now, because I just think of that as walking barefoot in the forest. Um, Yeah. And how I think they had, I think that's why animals have more of a relationship to nature, because they're walking barefoot, their feet are on the earth. They're in direct contact with the earth. So when they're walking through the forest if they feel something through their feet, they're attuned, I think, to be sensitive to that just like they hear, smell or see something, they also feel it in their yes. feet. Is that? Yes.
1: And so your your butterflies and your birds, they're going to follow these magnetic lines I'm talking about. The animals are they have more interspecies communication that we've forgotten. And of course, our plastic synthetic souls keep us very disconnected. And ancient man always made music copy the patterns found in nature, always. And it was in about 300 years ago, um, around the time of Bach, where we changed all of our musical systems that copied nature. And we simply made them more efficient um, for transposing into different keys, make it easier for musicians a little bit out of tune, and I find it very interesting that after the music that we listened to stopped copying nature, then the industrial revolution was birthed, and with the industrial revolution, we were not conscious of us polluting and harming our mother earth, because we've, we, we hung up with the phone line, we were disconnected, we're not aware anymore, because we're not in the flow and, and you know, being in nature, walking in the woods with your bare feet. I mean, you're starting to open up those channels. And for those people who want to try it, you have to do it a while because those who wear synthetic shoes, which is pretty much all of us, um, it really clogs your chakras in your feet. And it takes a while to open them so that you can receive energy from the earth. Hmm.
0: And it also makes me think of I, let's talk about wolves because I haven't, well, I mean, I like animals, period, but I happen to like wolves a lot because of how they are in their pack and how they have respect for each other and they play every 30 minutes and all sorts of things. But I can't imagine, you know, wolves would not destroy their living space. And I think no. it was that phase, as you say, in that technological revolution where we lost contact with nature. I, I don't know of many other mm-hmm. species that would that would go out of their way to destroy where they live. Or to damage, let me put it that way, to damage where they live, because to them, that's where they live. Why would you do that? That It makes no sense. And that seems to me to be part of the disconnect. You know, I don't know if it's directly related to having plastic souls, but it seems part of the disconnect of,
1: why would you do that? Yeah, it is. Well, because you're you're not conscious, and um, not only are you not conscious, you think you're all alone. So you think you can um, do this build an industry and make more money and maybe even employ people and so you 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 think as if you're not connected to the earth and it's like not part of your consciousness that you're um, pooping in your backyard yeah you know you just don't (laughs) you don't consider that and you think oh boy we can make more money or whatever it is yeah and off you go so, yeah, there's a definite disconnect. And one of the things that was really cool, when um, I have a program, it's on uwealthrevolution.com right now, but um, I, I researched all, not all, as many as I could, of these old, old tribes like um, Samaria, um, the, the histories in Samaria, the doggones in Africa, the wallabies in Australia, And there's an awful lot of indigenous people that credit their ancestors to the stars. And um, in unveiling all this, it was really kind of fun because um, one of the key stars was Cyrus. And the reason Cyrus is the brightest star in our night sky, and from what I read, people are, these old histories are saying, Cyrus is kind of like the birthplace of the universe. So although there are many people who would claim or feel comfortable with Arcturus or, or Orion or Pleiades, everybody came in here through Cyrus and that the ancient mages connect Cyrus to um, um, the heart of the Mother Father God and Christ energy. And it was really cool because then they connect each star. They go around the zodiac. It's The, the older zodiac... Um prior to the Ptolemies in Greece um, they didn't pick like um you know a Capricorn or an Aquarius. they picked certain stars and that are in those constellations and they would again kind of like um pick them in a in a in a circle around the um the night sky, and they equated each star like a half tone in a musical scale like um a different energy like on your nano voice, um, how you get your different pitches. They equated each star, like, with a different energy connecting to different parts in your body, different challenges. And then uh, many of the early stories, like Gilgamesh and Hercules, they're allegories for what the energy is in each star. And each star being like, um, like a jewel, and when you learn the lesson of each star, it's like you evolve back. And so we incarnate under different astrologies or different influences, and we master all these energies. And um, what I did in this particular work that we're talking about today was I, I, I was in this deep meditation, and I was given these, this kind of like a musical instrument. They were showing me how... Ancient people converted sacred geometry carved in stone to sounds and harmonics. So let's say um, not just pitches, but vowel sounds which create different harmonics, like a harmonics in after of sound. So A, E, they're the same pitch, same frequency, but E sounds higher. A, E. And that's because E throws more energy into higher harmonics. So each mm-hmm. vowel has a different harmonic pattern or emphasis, I should say. So anyway, um, they told me to um, or suggested that I um take some of these ancient symbols and signs and start to convert them to sounds, for like portal openings for um, things to listen to during meditation, to open up um, to open up to receive higher energies. In specific with the stars, um, uh, what I got was that you have chakras way above your head and um, they are the same frequency as different stars and they have resonance with them. So when you kind of open up that chakra, you allow to receive that higher energy. Hmm. And um, kind of a cool idea.
0: That's a great idea. And do you think that our do you think that our cells retain memory, ancient memory and perhaps they, once you play those particular tones that they vibrate to that and go oh, that's really familiar, what's that? Or something like that?
1: I think it does. I think it depending on the person and what's going on with them. Um, when we pray to receive I believe we always receive but if we're in a lot of pain, if we're um, a dense ball of negativity, if our best friend just died and we're sick, you can't always receive really high energy. Uh, to me, with my um clairvoyance, I just see it like a Christmas tree. It's like you pray, you get the answer to prayer, but it might sit like in your aura until you're, till you can receive it. Because if you get too high of an energy when you're doing cathartic relief, which most of us are, um, you kind of like fry yourself. Uh, so um, it takes a while to integrate. So, yes, I believe that happens, and that's a great lead-in question. When I did this little program, I worked with three angels, and angels have um, sigils, and a sigil is a sign. It's used in um, white magic. It's used in by the Druids. It's big with the Egyptians, and the deal is that You know, there's a sound, and it comes from a shape. Like Sherry can look at the Templar cross, and she knows what it sounds like. And I'm talking about a 2D drawing of the Templar cross. This is what ancient people say, that they had hearing like she does. And that um, she could... Let me see. uh, Where am I going on this? Um, Okay, so... Oh, um, where was I headed? Could you help me out? I lost my. Thoughts. I think
0: we're well. I, we were talking about. I I had the, the, tossed out the opening question about do our cells have a memory of that sound, and when you play that ah, sound, they yes. vibrate and come back. There we go.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So, um, so they would, um, you know, do these um, these sigils, and the sigils would be like. Um, kind of like a thumbprint of an individual. My thumbprint's different than everybody else's. It's like my identifier. Same with you. And so they would have their thumbprint and sound, it's called a sigil. And um, in in essence, they're saying that each one of us has um, a part in the chorus of the universe, the universe, and we, we all have a different song, but it's all essential for the overall universe or sound choir, and um, that um, we can reduce ourselves or have like a pager. That's a good analogy. Have like a pager, and the pager is the sigil, and the sigil can be converted to sound. And with the same method that I was shown in this deep meditation for taking these shapes and converting them to sound, which would be more potent. Another way to think of these signals is to think of Reiki. So many people have had Reiki. And when you pay and have the class, the final thing, is that you get to do the attunements. And you look at a piece of paper and a little drawing. You look at them, you get the ability to to, um, have white light go through your fingers. It's the same idea with these signals. It's like it's a frequency It opens a lock. It opens, it unblocks something to allow you to channel more energy. And these three intels have, um, again, not my design, um, but they have teamed up, and they're two of the violet ray and one of the golden ray. And um, they team up to clear catharsis, to, to take out your pain to work on ancestral um, lineage, to get rid of your um, stuff that happened in last lives or energy you're carrying for, you know, um, people you're with or it's your work or something. And to just to just really help to remove that, um, even working on the memories of them and altering them and um, to make your memory more loving as opposed to being hurt. And... So what I've been doing with these sigils is I've been starting off with the sigils of these three angels and then um, for catharsis and clearing and then going into receiving the or opening up the stargates or connecting and I have a a bunch of videos and classes on just math, not mine, very, very ancient methods of opening up. Makabas or different meditations or chants to um, open up to higher energies. So anyway, I did give you one, and you were going to play it, and so um, people can just maybe get in a good spot. It's not long. It's um, of the archangel Zacharyel. He's a solar angel. He comes in from from the sun. He's in the golden ray. Um, he brings Christ energy, cosmic energy, um, illumination. Uh, he's very, very powerful. Um, and I don't know, Richard. What do you think? Should we try it?
0: I think so. I like this a lot. I'll play this. Okay. Everybody just relax and allow. Hmm. I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> well it's the com it's the combination of your vocals along with the nature sounds. There's a there's a I I know nothing about music. Let me be clear here. When I say words it sounds like I might know something but I don't. But it's either their harmonics or the way they blend together or whatever it is, it's I think it's just a very nice fusion. Of natural sounds well they're all natural sounds but I mean the nature sounds of the birds in combination with your vocalizations it's so you know makes me light up slightly mm-hmm. I like it
1: well that's it's it's yellow light it's that is um, uh, like the sunlight he's very um, upbeat and cheerful it's um it brings that energy in, in ancient music, when you go back, especially with these um, stories and legends about these ethereal uh, races prior to um, Homo sapiens, n- music was nature. And any music they created with instruments, like um, the guitars from wood, you know, and uh, we, we use mother's, instru- uh, mother's materials to make her instruments, but it was always about Um, harmonizing with the earth, earthing, if you will. And um, so to have all these instruments, I mean, excuse me, all these animals, and there was also turtles in there, and there was dolphins and some fish and birds. And um, also um, I put in um, from NASA um, tapings from the sun.
0: Mm.
1: The sun's kind of like a bell, and... um, you know, it, it creates sounds, not in our hearing range, but you can listen to them when they're raised. So it's creating that um, this kind of a light. And the other thing, too, is harmonics are off the radar of everybody. And a harmonic, again, I, I like to think of it like you're on a bridge and you drop a rock, and that's the root note. But then you see these ripples going out. So with a harmonic, you have a root note, but then you have these ripples, and harmonics are, it's like the universe runs on harmonics. And nobody knows that better than Sherry Edwards. And the body, <laughs> she's often told me, runs right. on harmonics. It's like incredible. And, of course, the ancient people wouldn't have had her way cool software. But they did, um, you know, because they have the same type of hearing and uh, clairvoyance, they would create to the best of their ability with vowels, mm. And the ancient vow chants from Egypt to China, Samaria, Theosophy, all the mystery schools, they're all saying the fastest way to ascension is these vow chants. And mm. they're in the proper order and the proper sequence and different ones for different things. And, um the Greeks you find them on vases, you know they're singing to the vowel chants, and on the Greek vases, I love this they they sing to the vowel chants, and then they align the vowels with the stars, which is also hmm. a beautiful thought that's awesome, and yeah, yeah, and you know people would be killed if you if you blabbed the uh, vowel chant, but um, they did get a it eventually written down um can find them in most most all the civilizations, but they were they were mm, they were considered like high magic and mainly used for the um the chief roosters so when the pharaoh passed, there would be three um priests who would chant a different vow chant than that one i a eh, elway was the one that they used. Um, for the egyptian pass for the pharaoh passing over and they'd chant it like you know for like two or three days (laughs) get a big dose of that and the deal was that um that would lift the pharaoh up his soul his spirit because the pharaoh wasn't free when he died the pharaoh was to come back and look over egypt so they were um giving the pharaoh all they could and they did it with harmonics and vowels isn't that cool
0: isn't that cool? That's amazing. And really,
1: I, a big part of bioacoustics of Sherry's software is that I think she's unleashed, unlocked, discovered, um, you know, many of these secrets about harmonics. Uh-huh. And hmm That's why her stuff works so good.
0: Yeah. One reason. Gets it from all sorts of different angles. Now I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna take a short break and hear a word from our sponsor, and then I have a follow-up question. Hold on, just a moment. Mm-hmm. SoundHealthPortal.com
1: The body's vocal indicators move with every frequency set that goes from your brain to any part of your body. We have a Dr. Russ Rudy who came to us on a scooter. He had multiple sclerosis. Frequencies of his nerves were dead from the waist down.
0: I'm speaking as a physician and a patient. Uh, I went down the medical road first. I didn't get any answers that were acceptable to me. You know, when they hear something like, I'm going to listen to you speak, and I'm going to analyze, and I'm going to play tones for to you and make you better, it just sounds so foreign to what we're expecting.
1: And it took us from November of one year to May of the next, and it regrew the nerves from his waist down. So now we can believe it because it was science. I, I've seen it work in so many cases. No, I'm
0: proof of it. I mean, nobody, nobody fiber six years ago would expect me to be doing what I am today. Join us at soundhealthportal.com. So things that are out there that we don't have very good treatment for, why shouldn't they be allowed to try something different? In part of a write-up that you sent me... You mm-hmm. said that during special alignments of the stars, great sages and seekers absorbed the cascading fragments of star waves and heavily currents. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. so this these were at sacred locations, I'm suspecting that they it was a right place, right time and right. Alignment of the stars. And do mm-hmm. and when we say alignment of the stars do we mean astrologically, probably or astronomically? Or both?
1: Both. both. And you see, um, ancient, really ancient people, time was an energy, just like, you know, a musical instrument makes notes that are energies. Everything's energy, including time. And if time's an energy, you can speed it up and slow it down a little bit, which science has proved. And, of course, that's Einstein's great thought experiment, that you traveled at the speed of light, you know, you're not going to get older. Anyway... Um, we all feel the slow day and a, a fast day, and um, there's some experiments you can see on YouTube where they're, they'll just play different sounds, two, two sounds um, like scalar kind of opposing each other, and in the nodal points they'll get tweezers and they'll put little tiny objects and they levitate in the, the crossing point, the zero point, or whatever. And my understanding, the way I make it up, which, you know, it's my interpretation, which could be, or, you know, not perfect, but is that in these nodal points with time, is, um, it's a special it's a special point, And um, you don't quite have the resistance, and it's like you can absorb more of high frequency. And when you really look at the old, old stuff, they were even killing each other at times over how to measure time. And, you know, like the Bali people, many people retain ancient customs. And how do you measure time is really critical, whether it's over the sun or the moon or whatever pattern or whatever star can Sometimes they did it off of Cyrus um, because that would identify these nodal points so that when we kept involving in matter and would be absolutely clueless as to, quote, unquote, when's the right time, that um, the – The How we measure time um, gave us keys to find our way back home. And, uh, you know, some of them are real easy. Solstices, equinoxes, um, you know, when they talk on the radio about some, you know, really unusual configuration lineup of stars these times. And they would say that this is kind of like creates like zero point, or I'm using my words, but um, like a porthole to... um, evolve yourself so if you meditate on a special day um you get 10x benefit if you meditate on a regular day you get 1x benefit that that kind of an idea and sounds and energy and it actually in the ancient people's mind and i believe science too it it lodges in your surrounding and i know you can go to um an empty bar and just feel how it feels go to an empty church feel how it feels they both had different music. And you can go empty in both of them when nothing's going along. And they're very, very different feelings. I believe like if you're going out for the evening and you put really beautiful music on, when you come in that evening, the house is just nice. And they would do these singing and massive singing. Not just you and me. I mean, thousands. in In China, they would boast of 10,000 at a time. Um, all across Asia they're doing this. All, um, David's doing it. They had like 4,000 in one orchestra or choir or something with the King David. And they're doing large numbers of singing during these special times in special temples. And then they're, um, they're downloading as much divine energy as possible. It's almost like you've got to have the right perfect... Um, energy, and then you got to have enough of it to transform your physical body because we're in density and we need a lot of uh, subtle stuff to make alterations in physical world.
0: Hmm. So our cells almost have to vibrate at a certain rate to be receptive. They have to get high enough, and I don't mean, I just mean elevated, at a high enough vibratory state by the chanting or the singing together in mass unison, in a uh, temple that's probably designed to have people sing into, so it's getting the effect of them singing or creating a sound in that shape mm-hmm. at the right time, mm-hmm. and then bada bing, bada boom, wow! <laughs> wow,
1: well, and then remember they're all in water, so it's in, or they have temples or a pyramid or um, an obelisk, so they have antennas, so they're going up and getting like. Um, uh, energy from the sky and they're going down and they're, they're taking all this high juju <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're putting it in their underground waterways so that they're nourishing the earth in their whole area. And there was um, a Professor Callahan and he did study on soil and positive and negative energy and he found that plants grow a lot better if they're near like a round circular building, like a silo. And he found that there was, um, just like electrons, very subtle energy, little photons, um, like kind of negative and positive charged, negative ones coming in from the sky and, um, um, or positive, I don't know which way it was, but uh, one, one type of energy coming in from the sky and other from the soil. And he found that um, crop growth was um, significantly altered and life in general is healthier He even went so far as to go all over the world and measure the vitality of soil. So he found like in the Delta in South America that when you're on healthy soil and lots of inches of it, the natives are very friendly. But where the headhunters were in in the Amazon, they have no soil. And he was equating um, energy from the earth, soil literally, he would measure it in war zones and always find it to be poor. Anyway, that was the work of mm. Callahan. But but kind of a it's a little bit of an offshoot, but the idea that um you you when you do this singing, when you do when you have these temples, when you have these energy generators and you you all bond together, become really powerful, do it at a special time. And get this great, powerful feeling that um, it would bless your country, is the idea. The mm-hmm. whole country, even those not attending. And there's a modern-day example. Um, I was in Estonia, and I met a lady called Mara. And her grandparents, um, uh, up until recently, didn't even have last names because Estonia would been slaves under the czars then slaves under... Russia, then slaves under Hitler, da-da-da-da-da. And um, she said that the czars treated them so badly, they were so broken. And when the czars fell, they were unable to say we're free. They were too broken to stand up and say anything. And they had these ancient customs because the the Inquisition from the Catholic Church all the way in Estonia just got there you know, not very long ago. And still grandmothers held the old ways, which was the singing that I'm telling you about. And in Estonia, a country of a million people, half of them got together 24-7 for five days. And after that, they claimed their freedom. Then in World War II, I think it was Hitler took, he took some country, maybe Pol, I don't know. He took a country. He just took it. And um, to kind of balance things out, I think we gave Russia some of the um, like Estonia and a few other little countries, which is God, a awful thing to do. And um, in under, Russia, and under yeah, Russia, they had like a, um, she described like a, a lottery. And at night, they would just pick people to die. That would be going to Siberia, and that was their death camp. They would randomly pick them, and then they'd go out at night, and they'd take certain percentages of the population every night and take them off to the death camps. I mean, the people were broken again. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, Germany took half their country and made those people fight against Russia. So, and then in Russia, of course, they're making the local people fight. So you have fathers killing sons, brothers killing brothers, not because they want to, but because half of their country is owned by Russia and half by Germany, and they're at war. Again, they're broken. When when the, uh, the close of the World War Two They were unable to get it together or or declare freedom or do anything. And so they had a song fest. They did it again. And now they do it every five years because um, they have experienced um, transformational power and sound. And it's with Hmm. large numbers.
0: Wow. It's very cool. And do we have gatherings? I mean, the ancient areas do but do we have gatherings now where people get together and do sound I don't mean like a rave or I I work with some people who speak events speak at events where there's a lot of music but it's mostly cacophonous it's mostly like dancing jumping around but it's not a unified I don't find the music to be particularly unifying or elevating it's mostly just loud um, banging
1: if they <laughs> do I don't know about it okay Hmm. Um, no, I don't think we do that anymore. It's something for us. It's like a little treasure trove for us to discover. Yeah. Wow. And if people have little centers, you know, or um, little churches or community buildings, um, just think to um, singing and music, uplifting music, and, and how you can impregnate, if you will, the ground and the, um, the building. And make it an uplifting place.
0: Mhm, mhm. I've been around a, at some of the environmental conferences I go to. There are Native American ceremonies, and I jokingly with them call it scuffing in the dirt, because they're a scuffing in the dirt, and they're drumming mm-hmm. and chanting, and it's it's always it's always great to be part of because it has such a great feeling to it. And then afterwards, if you go back later on. Sometimes they'll build a bonfire in the area that they did that. And it always has a certain interesting feel to it afterwards. Or they've actually, as you say, because they're, they're 90% of the time wearing leather moccasins, so they're still in contact with the earth. No plastic shoes. And mm-hmm. it's really quite amazing to go back to those spaces and, and, and even get, a, afterwards, get a sense.
1: They often yeah. might be bare chest and not well clad. And you receive some of those, um, like think of invisible snow dust, some of those good vibes coming in through your skin, so um one of one of us comes in our long jeans and our you know our long shirts. we miss some of the bath um mm. by hiding our skin,
0: hmm. yeah, so we're actually taking in if our skin is exposed, we can actually take in some of the A little more literally cosmic rays or star yeah. light or yeah moonlight bathing yeah. in the moonlight, yeah, wow,
1: yeah, yeah. More of there. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, did you wanna did you wanna listen to the Cyrus gate yeah, portal opening? Yes, that's
0: that's actually prob that's where I was going is I think it's a perfect time to do the <laughs> Cyrus opening.
1: <laughs> okay, so and again Cyrus is, is associated with um, Christ energy with um, love um, and liberation and freedom. and um, the Cyrus and the evolved people there um, equate animals as an equal species legally, I mean in every way. and um, when we're, we're linked to the planets, certain planets um, in the in the universe. and um, it's like we're resonant. I know we think of resonance, you know here we have a violin and six inches away you have another violin you play A in one violin the other A sounds but it also happens in big things you know earth in our orbit makes a tone so does certain um, orbits and frequencies coming from certain stars they have resonance with us so we're kind of like linked to them so Cyrus is one and um, I've got about six of them done but I'm working on doing the night sky doing that orbit with the ancient zodiac not the current one and um opening up all those little portals so i hope you enjoy cyrus (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because it makes me smile.
1: <laughs>
0: That's really nice. Well, those are both really good. So, so you're gonna do? So you're doing more of these? You're doing a full array of what I'll call planets yeah. or energies.
1: Yes, and I've um, I have completed under in my website at my Healing school. I've done the Egyptian um, what they were teaching in the temples, and I did the Sephiroth of the Tree of Life, which is Egyptian in its history. Uh, Moses, being raised as a Pharaoh's son, having access to the holiest of holy secrets in all of the temples, took um, gems from Egypt. And one of them was the Tree of Life. The idea with the Sephiroth is that as God unfolded and experienced himself in many different forms, as he involved into matter, for um, the example, that each stage would be it was kind of like the whole enfoldment they would liken to a musical octave, or and he in, he in, un, 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 involved in stages, so um, each would equate to a different emotion, a different thing in physicality, just like the nano voice, same concept, and that each sephiroth has. Um, again, a code, a lock. And the Egyptians believed that their gods um, kept the locks away from humanity because we were still involving into matter. matter. But, 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 each sephiroth or little circle on the tree of life has a um, an ancient language of light symbol. And I put them in sound to... Um, start to open up to the higher attributes of God. And then I um, I did another one on chakras, um, again, also in Jill's sound healing, Jill's Wings of Light at my sound healing school, um, opening your back chakras and combining them to your front um, mm. to make you more full of light. So I'm really having fun with this idea, kind of going to town with it, enjoying it. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's so expansive. I know that seems sort of silly to say, but it really is, um, you know, it's reconnecting this to ancient information, which is still available. It's no longer ancient. It's now current, but it's ancient information that the ancients knew about forever. And we're just like, oh, wow. Back
1: to the future, dear. Back Back to to the the future.
0: future." There we are. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) And, are you teaching classes on this yet, or are you developing the work and putting it well, up on your I site? Well, I did the
1: classes on videos, and I, okay. um, I did them on videos, and they're exercises, like um, the ancient exercises. Like in the Egyptian thing, I'm telling you what are the practices from Isis Temple or Hathor Temple or da-da-da-da-da, and then the Sephiroth. And it's the same thing on my, on my um, sound healing school. It's mainly the ancient ways. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of teaching, and then we go straight into teaching you practices. Like I would call Reiki a practice, for example, where you allow white light to go through your hands. Now Isis, Sherry would like this. Isis would do fing- colors out of her fingers. So like step one for Reiki would be white light out of your hand. But as Sherry knows all too well, sometimes somebody doesn't need white light. They need just Red. And in the Isis temple, they would get different colors out of their fingers. And there's stuff like that um, in, in these classes. And then telling you how to do it. And
0: I information so. on all that is available at jillswingsoflight.com?
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes. Wonderful. I'll have to go look around some more. I'm, I'll be listening to more to Zechariah. Well, both of these actually, I like them. I may join them back to back. They're really quite. Good. Um, the ocean sounds. someday we'll talk about Michael Stalker's work. Uh, Michael Stalker is a bioacoustician, and he travels the world. He spent a lot of time in Alaska, but recording uh, underwater creatures' sounds.
1: <laughs> he... I'd love. Ooh, that sounds very good.
0: It's it's amazing. It's it's it reminds me very much of the serious audio with that's incorporation of the whales and those sounds. Those are the kind of sounds he goes out and hangs out for weeks at a time in a you know, zodiac on the water and records these creatures and their songs. And 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 then he knows what they're talking about. He knows what their interactions yes. are and it's quite amazing that it's so much wow. more sophisticated than I think we have credit for. Give them credit for. It's really quite yes. amazing.
1: I would say many of the animals here are more evolved than humans. We think we're in charge. We're the top of the food pile. But I think in a spirit sense, I'm not so sure that's so.
0: I think that's another show.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. I'm thinking yeah. we're, we're not so much of what we think. It's really quite amazing. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Some really of the animals shocking. that we eat are more evolved than us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wolves. Go look so at fun. wolves. Watch them for a while. See what they do. See how they handle it. They they go off into the <laughs> forest and look at us like, "What are they doing? What are they thinking? This is not right. We're out of here." Um, yeah. Well, we're at that time. Yeah. I'm 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 amazed to say that we're already here. Where uh, I'll oh, remind people I that you can go one ahead. Last sure. Sentence? Yes, one please. Last oh, no, no. Go
1: ahead. Well, Sherry and I have been working on adding of me um, reintroducing Secret Sounds, Ultimate Healing on her work and adding um, a whole bunch um, in that on taking different processes of bioacoustics and just showing how the same thing was done in this ancient culture and that ancient culture. And it's I think it's really exciting for those people who have been in or serious in bioacoustics. To me, it helped me understand and opened my eyes and, Gave me fresh ideas on ways to um, use this ancient wisdom and directly correlate it back and forth um, with bioacoustics. So, coming up soon, sometime.
0: That's very exciting. That'll be very fun. I like that idea yeah, a lot. I think so. Make that so.
1: Oh, it's thank awesome you. Number idea. one. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, between the two of you, that's wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jill. That was great. Oh, thank and is always thank faster you. than I thought. <laughs> We're here already. Wow, that happened
1: fast. Yes.
0: Um all right well, everybody. Blessings to everybody. Okay. You too. Um okay. everybody have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.
1: Okay.